0: Welcome to the Fairview Baptist Church Discipleship Podcast. This is a resource designed to help the covenant members of Fairview Baptist Church carry out our mission to make disciples of Jesus Christ. I'm your host, Joshua Johnston, and today I'm joined once again by Jared Sneed and Mike Helan. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Well, now, Mike, last week you briefly introduced yourself to us, and you mentioned uh, in your introduction that you had a couple of music degrees and that you've been involved in churches all of your life. Uh, I was curious, would you tell us about a time in your life uh, when you you really felt like you grew drastically in your understanding of what worship is?
1: Yes, I, I... There is a time when i after i 'd been involved in leading worship in church, leading worship music in church for many, many years, growing more and more dissatisfied by looking at the faces and seeing blank looks coming back at me, mouths moving, but no real joy, no real engagement by the people in the congregation uh, in worship. And, uh, and and becoming uh, dissatisfied with it. This. this this can't be real worship. Uh, and God moving me out of that church and putting me into another church as a, a layman this time, I mean, just a guy in a pew watching it all happen, and being totally impressed in that church by a completely different spirit of worship in which the folks in the pew, not the folks up front so much, but the folks in the pew were totally involved in worship, or opening their mouths and praises. They were in rapt attention to the preaching of the Word. Uh, there was a joy. There was a vibrancy that I had not been experiencing in my church. And I said, I've got to get a handle on this. Mm-hmm. And that opened up a whole new door of study and, and involvement in what real worship is.
0: Yeah. Well that's amazing um, um I think we've all had kind of those types of experiences, and I think when you have them it it begins you begin to ask the question we asked last week of you know why is it happening this way here uh and uh, then it draws us to our question for today, and that's uh what is worship and so we've got a lot to cover today, and we'll we'll dig in um. Pretty quickly, uh, just a reminder, um, this will be a four-part series where we talk about worship, and again, last week we talked about the why, uh, and, and we, we ultimately said that we worship for the glory of God. And we do so because God is worthy, because He's commanded us to do it, um, because He's our greatest delight, and and because it it's a connected to our mission as a church. And so, uh, this week we our, our big question is what is worship? Um, now, uh, I think uh, one of the things we have to um, uh, be careful of is is simply equating our worship. With music. And I noticed as you were explaining that experience in, in your life, Mike, uh, uh, it moved far beyond music. It was engagement in the Word, engagement in prayer. Um, but if I'm being honest, uh, I oftentimes catch myself saying, uh, after a church service, man, worship was great this morning. Uh, but most often, when I say something like that, what I really mean is, man, the worship music was good this morning, and the the truth is 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 that worship is so much more than that. And so, Jared, uh, why don't you start us off uh, with just some opening thoughts?
2: Yeah, well, uh, music
0: in church can be part of
2: worship; it is part of worship, uh, but honestly, it's just a, a small piece of it. Um, if I was to answer what is worship, uh, I would say that worship is our proper response. To God, and that's not original to me. Uh, I've learned that from others over the years. Um, But last week, we were saying that worship is for God's glory and that worship is a proper response to His character and deeds. And when I say proper, uh, I say proper because humans are always worshiping something. We can't stop worshiping, we were made to worship, and so we are either worshiping God or Uh, Because of our sin, we are worshiping something else. That's what idolatry is. Uh, So, when we're faced with God's character and His deeds and His commands, we we either submit in worship to Him or we ignore and reject Him. And so, true worship is our proper response to God and His glory.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, So, Mike, um, would you uh, sort of walk us uh, through um, maybe what it looks like to properly respond to God?
1: Well, the best thing we can do is run to the Word of God and see what the Word of God says about this. And uh, there are several places in the Bible where we see God's character and his deeds revealed. And then, in that context, we see the response of people to that. Uh, These passages follow a four-part pattern where people are, first of all, the people recognize God's holiness, and secondly, they're confronted with their own sin, Third, their sin is atoned for. And fourth, their commission for a task. In fact, you know, if you, if you think about that, that's the pattern of the gospel and how we become disciples by seeing God's holiness, being convicted of our sins, by having our sins atoned for, and then becoming followers of Christ and his mission and his work. Um, four parts. That's the gospel, and that also is involved in worship. Isaiah chapter 6 verses 1 through 8, is one of the clearest examples. Um, Here in this passage, this is marvelous. The the Bible is the only way we have any idea that there's something beyond this material world. Mm -hmm. And here God allows us to look through a window out of our finite time-space continuum into a much larger reality. So we gaze out this window here in Isaiah chapter 6. And in verses 1 through 4, Isaiah sees the Lord. Sitting on his throne, and there are seraphim calling to one another, saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. The foundations are shaking and there's smoke everywhere. Imagine this. Can you imagine that? I yeah. I ever read this and and my my mind is just captivated by this uh this extraterrestrial extra time, extra space, reality that really exists right now. This is going on right now. This didn't just happen back in Isaiah's time. This thing is going on right now, that right now in in heaven, this is happening. And Isaiah's face then with the the glory of God and his great holiness. Then in verse 5, Isaiah recognizes how sinful he is compared to God. And he can't help but see how unclean he is. And he says, Woe is me, for I am lost, for I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then verses 6 and 7, God sends a seraphim to touch Isaiah's lips and say, Your guilt is taken away, and your sin atoned for. Then Isaiah hears God's call in verse 8. Who will go for us? And Isaiah says, here am I, send me. In that passage, Isaiah sees God's holiness. It causes him to confess his sin. God forgives him and and atones for his sin and then uh, commissions him. So Isaiah had the proper worshipful response to God's character. And notice there's no singing involved here.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and that pattern that, that Mike was just describing is also found in other passages like uh, Deuteronomy 5, uh, 2 Chronicles 5 through 7, uh, Revelation 1, uh, 12 to 20, and also Revelation 4. Um, another picture of it is, is Psalm 130, uh, verses 3 to 5. It says, If you, O Lord, should mark our iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits, and in His word I hope. So even in those short couple verses right there, we see because of God's holiness, if He were to hold us, hold our sins against us, there would be no way that we could stand. But He offers forgiveness so that we respond with fear and hope. And so for believers today, I think um, we have to recognize God's holiness and respond appropriately.
0: Well, well, Jared, let me follow up with that then. So, if, if worship is our proper response to God, um, where then do we start? Like, how do we know that we are responding to God and not simply responding to something else?
2: And we have to start with the Bible. So, the only way to see the glory of God and who He is, His deeds, His character, we have to start with the Bible. If we don't get our information about who God is from the Bible then we end up responding to some version of what we think God should be like uh, that we, we make up in our minds. So, And at that point, we're responding basically to an idol of our own making. So, if it doesn't come from the Bible, we're, we're making up uh, who we think God is. And so, we have to understand God from Scripture.
1: That is so, so right, Jared, that God speaks to us in the Bible, we know, we know that, but He speaks to us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In Hebrews uh, chapter 1 talks about that, that in these last days He has revealed Himself and spoken to us through His Son. Uh, we are told in the Word of God that Jesus is the exact imprint or the express image of God's nature. So we ultimately have to look to, at Christ to understand God's character and deeds. there In, in, in John 14, when Christ is talking to his disciples, uh, they said, uh, show us the Father. And Christ said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That must suffice. And so, um, Jesus' greatest act and his most glorious deed is the gospel, the good news, yeah. that Jesus... There was, he was perfectly holy. He would take on our sin to atone for us and give us His righteousness by grace through faith. That's the great exchange that we exchange our unholiness, our unfilthy rags for His holiness, His righteousness. And that is only accomplished through what He lived and how He gave Himself to die on the cross. This means that we have to focus ourselves and center ourselves on Jesus and plant our worship feet on the Bible. Worship is about God. It's not about us. We often think that. We often like to, to put ourselves in the center of, of everything, including worship. But worship is not about us. So this Christ-centered, gospel-oriented, Bible-saturated worship uh, should happen in our daily lives in in our Churches as we meet on Sunday morning, there our our corporate worship. Now we respond to God by our obedience. We we respond to God by denying ourselves. We respond to God by evangelizing and discipling. We respond to God by by serving and loving others, and by praying and singing, by hearing a sermon, or just by stilling our hearts before Him. Among other ways, in fact. We respond by being living sacrifices, according to Romans twelve verses, verse one.
0: Oh, that's so good, um, and you know, just sort of like we said in our in our last episode, uh, it's it's really this type of response that that ultimately brings God glory. Yeah. Um, at the same time, um, I, I do believe that we certainly have to talk about our emotions because. God has created us, and as we've said, our emotions are are a part of who we are, Um, but we've also said that worship is not about making ourselves feel good. Uh, Instead, it is a response to God or a response into who God is and what He has done, but we also know that it's God. Uh, who, who delights in us and satisfies us, and and we should have joy in His presence, and and those are emotions. And so, I would ask uh, Jared, what role does emotion play in worship?
2: Yeah, there's a um, there's a quote by a guy named Ronald Allen. It says that uh, worship is an active response to God, whereby we declare His worth. Worship is not passive but it's uh, participative. Uh, worship is not simply a mood, it is a response. Worship is not just a feeling, it is a declaration. So, it's a response, a declaration, we're declaring his worth, but it, it also does have mood and feeling. Uh, so, emotions are not a bad thing, as long as they are not the thing that we are responding to. So, it's the uh, the old cart before the horse analogy. So, <laughs> Uh, The horse should be uh, the truth about God found in His Word. The cart should be the emotions, the affections. Mm. So in John 4, Jesus says that we are to worship in spirit and in truth. Uh, Paul in 1 Corinthians 14 says, uh, I love this verse, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing uh, with my mind also. So I think one big problem in our world is that uh, we sing with our spirit or we sing with our emotions, but we don't sing with our mind. Uh, we let our emotions drive us in, uh, instead of letting God drive our emotions. So, we need our emotions and our affections to follow. I mean, without them, we end up with like a, a cold, dead intellectual assent maybe, but that's not worship, uh, But but spirit or emotion with no truth or no mind is... Like a passionate emotionalism that ends up also not being true worship. So we we have to fill our minds with truth about God from His Word, who He is, what He's done, and then let that be the thing that affects our hearts and stirs our hearts in love and adoration. So if, if we begin with this idea of pragmatism, then we end up missing it. Pragmatism says that if I do things a certain way, I will get a certain result. So If I set up the room, for example, in a certain way, then I will be more comfortable to worship. Um, It it basically says that I can control feelings by what I do, uh, and that's just not um, the best way to go about worship.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I think when you're talking like that, I'm I'm imagining uh, uh, architecture of modern Seeker-friendly type of churches that are geared towards creating an emotional mood, or the use of theatrics to create emotional mood. So, Jared, your references to to Christ telling the woman at the well in John four that true worship is of the of the Father is in, in the Spirit and in truth both. That's that's the the heart and the mind, and and Paul telling us that we are to sing and pray with our spirits and our minds. They, those are key passages that that uh, that really tell us a lot about this matter of emotion as it relates to our minds in worship. Mere intellectual forms of so-called worship do result in cold, dead formalism. I've been in churches like that, and uh, that's not real worship. Um, there it's it's a form that people go through thinking they're they're connecting God when through something they do some formalism, but that's not worship that's not what the Bible talks about worship because there's no spirit there and on the other hand the the attempt to make worship strictly an emotional act with no emphasis upon the role of the mind in discerning and giving assent to great theological truth borders on let me say this borders on paganism. Mm. Uh, because what's the difference between someone singing something or doing some emotional act with no thought um, and and someone who is a, a mere pagan doing the same thing? Now, this is regardless of how much religious talk may be thrown in. We can throw a lot of Jesus words into, into our worship. And if we really aren't thinking about it, we're just creating an, an emotional atmosphere. We're missing worship. So worship is not a mere emotional experience. And we must not judge the depth of our worship simply by sentiment, by how we are moved by it. Later on, when we're talking about music and worship, I'll have more to say about this. Yeah,
2: I do think that this has direct implications on music specifically,
0: so I am excited to get to that point, too. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, let me... uh, sort of summarize what we've talked about this way, uh, worship is our proper response to God when we are faced with His character, His deeds, and His commands, and and it's not without emotion. Instead, it's who God is and what God has done, which then, in return, affects our hearts and and, and as a result, our emotions. Yeah. Um well, Jared, we are just about out of time. Um, could you tell the people uh, what they can expect on the next podcast?
2: Yeah, so since we've talked about in the last episode the why, uh, like why we worship and today is what worship is, then I think next time uh, we could summarize it by um, saying how we worship or talking about how we worship. After that, I think we'll discuss uh, the impacts of, how, of the gathering of our local church specifically.
0: Uh, Very good. Well, uh, we have uh, one more question, Min. Are you ready? Now, this is a very important question, as as are all of our questions at the end. Uh, And so the question I have for you, and I really want this one to sink in. This is going to be big, isn't it? It's going to be... uh, I'm
1: salivating already.
0: (laughs) I can't imagine. uh, (laughs) About a a quarter pound. (laughs) uh, um, Is a hot dog a sandwich? Why or why not?
2: Uh, I, uh, it is not a sandwich. It is its own class of food. I mean, you've got like hamburgers, mm. sandwiches, and hot dogs. Like it's a, it's a different
0: thing. So it's in its own classy it's, class. It is its own classy <laughs> yeah. class. No,
1: no, no, no. <laughs> I would have to beg to differ with you on that because uh, what's the definition of sandwich? You've got two pieces of bread with a, with a bologna in the middle. And instead of the bologna, you've got a, a frankfurter here. Is it I mean, two pieces of bread? If it's joined together,
0: uh, usually my hot dog buns they split. The that's true. That's true.
1: But um, I was I spent I spent eight years in the Chicago area, and they have mm-hmm. a, it's called a Chicago hot dog, and it's got everything except the kitchen sink in it. But it's still basically <laughs> um, a, a, a frankfurter, a all beef wiener in the midst of uh, a bread. And so uh, yeah, that's. My definition, that's a sandwich.
0: Well, in full confession, I've never looked up the definition of a sandwich, so I'm going to have to take your word there. (laughs) Now, uh, I will push back a little bit on, um, uh, on our podcast, the way we approached it. We said, well, like... Let's turn to God's word first and let that then kind of uh, inform us. Uh, I'm actually going to uh, speak to this question from my own personal experience, and I know that's uh. dangerous. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to have to agree with Mike that it is a sandwich, um, but I'll tell you why. So, in Thailand, uh, I had this experience, and this is a common experience. I realized they do this all over Thailand. I was asked, would you like an ice cream sandwich? And I mm. said, sure. You know what form that sandwich took? It was a hot dog bun with two scoops of ice cream right down the middle. It was, <laughs> <laughs> it was a literal sandwich. <laughs> and I said, you know what? It is a sandwich, it's just not in the form that I would think it would be in, and thus I say a hot dog is a sandwich.
1: Amen. All right, well, <laughs> so I've have,
0: have have been outvoted. I guess I
2: need to change my yeah. perspective.
0: <laughs> well, uh, gentlemen, I want to thank you so much for joining me today, and I look forward to our next time. Uh, until then, Fairview, may we exist to make disciples of Jesus Christ.